Okay, everybody, thanks for tuning in to episode six of the Safe at Home podcast. I'm your host, Megan Toninato, aka Tones, joined tonight uh, by the highly requested, highly loved, number one podcaster, host, person, <laughs> Emily Carr. Wow. The introduction gets better every week. Yeah. I, I, I try. Yeah. I try to plan it out. Well, it's good. It's good. Yeah. Thanks for coming again, buddy. Once again, episode six. We, you know, I've lost in, track a little bit. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm in tones. That's just what it is. That's right. What it is. What it, what it do. Is that so cool? I don't know. We don't know. <laughs> um, well, anyways. Yeah. Know, anyways. Our topic, but I have our, I have a fun, a little fun segue once. Okay. Perfect. Um, luck, luckily, luckily for you, you know, that's all I wrote for the intro. Okay. A quick little Minnesotan. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, um, my fun thing for the week is, uh, I remember the first podcast tones, you kind of, you wrote me a little poem, which was good. But I don't have a poem. For, I do not have a poem, so I will not be one-upping you. But you said that week that you don't have an introduction, so I figured yeah. I'd give you an introduction this week. So, oh, everyone, I my co-host is Megan Toninato, uh, played four years of softball at St. Ben's up in good old St. Joe, Minnesota. Um, she racked up some accolades during her time there, so I'm just going to – Oh, no. I decided to to you. So, uh, Megan was a three-time All-Mayak selection, a Mayak Player of the Week, so the Conference Player of the Week, in uh, March of 2018. Uh, She was a NCAA All-Regional Tournament team member in the year 2018, and was a two-time All-Region selection, which is very impressive. Um, On top of that, she was a uh, COSIDA Academic All-District uh, team member her senior year. And um, let's see, what else do we have here? Four-time NFCA Scholar-Athlete. She's got the brains, folks. And last but not least, she was the uh, St. Ben's Softball MVP in the year 2016. So big baller, everybody. Wow. We're lucky to Thanks, have buddy. her. I don't know how those academic ones really happen, but I guess it happened. Smart cookie. <laughs> Uh no, I just knew how to how to rig the system. That sure, was it. Sure, sure, sure. Um, I was Speaking gonna say the system. <laughs> segue, <laughs> right? That is a perfect segue into our episode. Uh, but I was gonna say last week when Kate Deming was on the show, you know, Kate, I don't hold this against her, but basically we should have introduced her by saying Kate Deming, who broke all of Tones's records the year <laughs> after Tones graduated. <laughs> So it was nice to have those records for yeah, about nine months like one, until two, Kate think, crushed them all. The, all of the hitting records. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Kate. Kate uh, kicked me out of the kicked <laughs> me out of the league there. The year after I graduated. I'll get you. Uh, but anyways, um, we got a great show tonight. Um, we are talking all about a very dense topic. Mm-hmm. Um, a very populated topic now at this point we are talking all about recruiting so we are talking about uh, you are a high school athlete thinking about playing in college what is the recruiting process what does it mean to be recruited how do I be a five-star recruit 
Uh, we're going to go over all those things today. And I'm going to first start by saying that um, Emily and I tried to do as much research as we could about this because we certainly don't want to put false information out there. Um, but things change all the time. Emily would know this. They change all the time in the NCAA. So um, hopefully uh, we hit on everything and hopefully it stays current uh, long enough for our viewers to, to check it out. Yep. Well said. Well said. So uh, to start off, we're going to give you kind of a brief overview of kind of the current landscape of what the recruiting process looks like. Um, and it's new, it's different, um, but it doesn't seem new and different to us because this is, we're still young, right? But it's new and different to a lot of the athletic departments that have been um, in an institution for a long time. So Emily, do you want to give us kind of a brief introduction um, about the current landscape? of recruiting. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll even say like I think it has changed a lot even since we were getting recruited mm -hmm. like 6 or 7 years ago now. Um it's something that's constantly evolving. Um and I think the the way we can really um describe the recruiting landscape of college athletics today is it's it's similar to lot of instances um, athletes are bringing money to a campus you know whether it be mm -hmm. in, at the division one level maybe more with um, funds and like ticketing and that sort of thing or at the division two and division three level where student athletes are such a large portion of the population that just in, it's such an enrollment driver mm -hmm. so um you know, there's there's a lot of coaches out there who are, are trying to get the best athletes who are the best fits for, for their institutions. And um, I think electronics um, play a big role in how recruiting happens today. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and we talk about social media and you mentioned the NCAA constantly changing and evolving with the times. And that's a big thing I've seen in my work is a lot, a lot of new legislation on um, recruiting and how coaches can interact with recruits via social media and mm. that sort of thing. So um, that's kind of a broad overview of, of what I see. Definitely. And I love the way that um, you pointed out how recruiting is kind of like business um, because it is. And especially if we think about um, like division one, let's say football, for, for instance, I mean, think about all of the money involved in division one football um, you have alum that are giving so much money back to the program and those alum expect rings on their fingers, right? They want uh, their football boys to win the next, the next year. So money also goes back to the pressure of getting those star recruits and being the best. Sure. So not only is it like the competitive side, like we want to be number one, but a lot of money involved, which is where the business side comes in. So I think that's um, a great distinction to make. So um, a lot of the sources that I've used as far as what the current rules are for recruiting is either directly from the NCAA itself or from um, this organization called the NCSA, the Next College Student Athlete. Um, side note, I actually had a career opportunity with the NCSA um, my senior year of college, and I was doing the interview process. Obviously, it didn't pan out because I went into education. But um, the guy that I was talking to was so knowledgeable about all the rules around NCAA. Sure. 
And I think that's what attracted me most to the job even was because I just, I just wanted to know like, what are the rules? Because it seems so complex. It's so complex. And I mean, when you get up to the college level and every single school has a compliance officer and that that person is designated to know the ins and outs of that division of the NCAA Mm -hmm. and for all the sports um, to make sure that all their teams are are staying in compliance. So it they're mm-hmm. like you hit it right on the head. There's an abundance of of rules that that need to be covered. Yeah. Exactly. So to hit it off right away, we're talking about the NCAA. Rules are a little different for junior colleges and the NAIA. But if we're talking about the NCAA, Division 1, Division 2, Division 3, the rules are different at each division. Okay? So it's important to know that right off the bat. If you're thinking of your local D3 college, the way that that coach could recruit you is much different than the way the University of Minnesota can um, approach you recruiting-wise. So if we start um, at the top with Division One, the most like blank statement I can give you is that the coach cannot um, give you direct forms of like private communication until September 1st of your junior year. So on September 1st of your junior year, um, they can send you text messages, they can direct message you, they can send you all recruiting materials, pamphlets, whatever they want. Coaches can call you at that point, and then you are permitted then to visit the campus and get sort of an official tour. Am I on the right track here, Emily? Yeah, I think that's a good good way to start it out. Okay, so September 1st of your junior year, if you're a sophomore and you're like, oh, why isn't um, the head coach of the University of Minnesota recruiting me or why isn't Alabama called me yet? Well, they can't call you <laughs> until September 1st, okay? Right. Um, and we'll get into how they know about you later into the segment, but that's just the first the first part of that. Um, in Division Two and Division Three, it's a little – different because you can receive brochures, questionnaires, um, any sort of recruiting publications at any time. So you could be like an eighth or ninth grader, which I think, which is what Kate was talking about on the show last week, that Coach Click, which is a Division Three college, was sending her stuff. And she was able to do that because it, it was a Division Three college. Um, so that hasn't seemed to change much. Uh, but for Division Two um, and Division Three, you're not really supposed to make direct contact until after your sophomore year. So they're still kind of like trying to keep it like a pretty strict deadline, September 1st of your junior year, like Division One. But they're kind of more like, okay, at the end of the sophomore year, maybe you can um, visit, make a more official visit, um, or have a more official conversation. So it's a little more open-ended for D2 and D3. Right. So that's just a very brief two-minute basic what are the rules when a coach can talk to me. And that's certainly one rule out of like 150. So we haven't covered much there. But um, Buddy, your initial thoughts on some of those rules because they've changed since we were in high school. Yeah. Yeah, I think – that's a really good overview. I think, um, I think we can discuss a little bit, um, 
specifically at the D1 level. I mean, I don't have personal experience playing Division One softball, but I know nowadays um, if you're interested in, in playing Division One softball, a lot of what people do um, is they, they go to these, these camps and clinics at schools that they're interested in, um, and that is a good way for coaches to see them um, without, you know, breaking any rules or anything like that and Mm -hmm. um you know although the coach can't can't speak to them they can they can still be part of these camps and clinics so yeah um, I think that's that's really an important way that uh people are seen um and then I'll just touch on something else um that was in this this article um the point was made that um D1 can start recruiting, you know, directly with a student athlete after September 1 of the, or on September 1 of their junior year and D2 and D3 schools, you know, they start recruiting a little bit later. Um, Right. Right. Yeah. Then, then that, um, which is, yeah, I think that's, that's a really good point. Um, I know from my experience as a division three student athlete, a lot of times when we bring recruits on campus, they would often be, you know, juniors who were during the spring, spring of their junior year, or, um, you know, still kind of feeling it out, even beginning parts of their senior year. So yes, a hundred percent. I'm with you. And that even like with the visit or with the overnight thing, that might be a rule as well. Um, I think, um, making an official visit like that to campus and or doing an overnight, I think is a part of that. You need to kind of wait till your junior year rule for. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So I'll even say like, even in that, um, kids are, are, um, are waiting later until, you know, senior year, early Mm -hmm. senior year to do that. Um, if, if it's leaning more towards the division three level, at least that's what I saw in my experience. Whereas Mm -hmm. I know, um, when I was in high school, kids were recruiting or who were recruited to D1 schools, they were committing like super early, you know, sometimes um, even as early as like September, that September one date of their junior yeah. year. So that's, that's a little bit of a difference between the divisions, at least what I've seen from my experience. Yeah. Great points. Um, and I want to get to actually um, what you talked about as far as you can go to camps and clinics and stuff. Um, because this is where I'm going to get a little fired up, honestly. You know what? I love that's, it. That's what's going to happen. Because um, I understand all of the rules that the NCAA has in place for recruiting. I had friends in high school just like you who were committing to schools and, like, didn't even have a driver's license yet. Like, just really pushing it. You know what I mean? Yep. So I totally understand it. But now, like, being going back to club softball – Essentially what they're saying is like the coach can't talk to you. So now like, is it on the athlete to get themselves on the list of who the coach is going to be calling on September 1st? Because I think the answer is yes. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking for my feedback, I totally. (laughs) Right. So, And this is, this is kind of what I mean by that. So if I'm trying to, get recruited right and a coach can't contact me so I don't really know who's interested but I like kind of know but the only way for me to really get contacted is to get on a list 
of who is going to be contacted in the future. So in order to get on the list, I have to expose myself. And in order to expose myself, I have to go to camps and clinics and club softball tournaments and a club softball team. And so I'm seeing this big connection here um, between club softball and getting recruited because it's not necessarily that a coach is going to come talk to you after the game, but the coaches can still watch you play. As far as I know, there are certain dead periods and stuff like that, certain rules, but they can come watch you so that you're at the top of the list come September one or even second or third or fourth on the list, because it seems like it's kind of a madhouse on September 1st of the junior year, especially for big division one colleges who are chasing after the same elite athletes. Yeah, I will take you and raise you one more comment on club softball. So um, (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, I have a big, um, I have a lot of thoughts on club softball and just club sports today and, Mm -hmm. and the issues of equity and access that they present. Um, And what I'll say to your point about putting yourself out there via club softball is I know a lot of people today, not a lot. That's, that's strong language. There are people out there today who will join club teams especially in the state of minnesota where you cannot play softball year-round yep people will join club teams out of state solely for Ah. the purpose of traveling around with these club teams um to that is a fact to get exposed to um you know whatever schools they they want to get exposed to that they wouldn't otherwise um living in their area and i'm not saying that's that's right or it's wrong i have plenty of people i know who who did that who are solid people you know but they had the ability to do that um which is awesome for them but i think there's a lot to be said about talent and good softball players who might not have the ability to to do that sort of thing and get recruited to those faraway schools and and Mm -hmm. that's okay there are really good schools and good softball programs um, that are out there that, you know, you don't need to travel the world to, <laughs> to, mm-hmm. to be a part of. So yeah, my thought and, on that. Yeah. I mean, that's just a fact, right? That there's players, especially in Minnesota who um, hop onto club teams, n- not close to their house across state lines um, so that they get exposed. And like you said, it's not even necessarily that we're saying that's wrong because how else, how else am I, I'm from a suburb of Minnesota. How am I supposed to get on a list for um, the head coach at Alabama or LSU, or if that's my dream, how else am I going to do that except to put myself out there? Right. So I get it. Go to their camp and clinic. (laughs) Right. Exactly. That's what I'm going to have to do. Um, And that's where I think the process is starting earlier and earlier because if you get to maybe later in your sophomore year and that September 1st is just a few months away and now I'm starting to kind of expose myself, well, the head coach from so-and-so college maybe already has a list. You know what I mean? So I think that's why we're seeing everyone start to go and go and go so early now because there's the fear that 
the list is already full or that I'm not going to get on the list. Yeah. And My I hypothetical think, list. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um, something else I'll just touch on really quick related to traveling um, for the purposes of being recruited. Um, I think maybe in the past, at least my, my thoughts on this were if coaches had to recruit in another state, then the coach would be the one to go travel mm -hmm. um, to another state to go recruit these athletes. And obviously that still happens, um, but it's just way more convenient for the coach when, you know, and they can make money off these camps and clinics. Right. Um, so why not have people come to them? If you're, if you're getting plenty of people who are willing to come to you, you don't need to spend the money to go out and see one person when you have 30 people to a hundred people who are willing to come and show up at, at this all-star camp you're hosting. Plus I'll add on um, with this, this current pandemic situation that we're in. Yes. It's, it's tough financially for, for every single institution out there and they're going to be looking at ways to cut costs and, you know, gain profit where they can. And I think camps and clinics are, are going to be one way to do that once those are able to be hosted again. So um, I also think recruiting is a, is a really big cost to a lot of schools, you know? Yeah. I mean, you talk about large roster sports like football, it's a huge cost, but even for like, we're talking about softball, like it's expensive to yeah. drive or fly out places, you know, every weekend. So mm -hmm. I think we might see a little less of that sort of thing and a little more like, Hey, you got, you uh, recruits can come to us. Yeah. And it can be quite the puzzle too, for colleges, um, recruiting, I believe at the division one level scholarships go to 12 players, um, which is what was listed on the um, I'll source myself in case somebody says that number is wrong. That's from the NCSA website. Um, so the, the puzzle involved is like the, the players that are already there, but I have these really awesome recruits coming in. So like, how does that all work? Um, and I'll, I'll clarify that's for full scholarships, I believe. Yeah, so how it works, um, there's equivalency scholarships, so yep. up to 12, the equivalent of 12 full scholarships, and these 12 scholarships can be split up among Correct, correct. So many it, players it becomes challenging. It becomes right. a puzzle. Um, and so, anyways, that's just to kind of get a touch on. It's challenging for the coaches because, um, you know, like they can only do so much in a certain period of time. And it's also really challenging for the players now because, like I said, especially for, like, small-town Minnesota kids, how, how else are they going to get themselves to um, get into a top program um, outside of our own state? Because in right. our previous podcast, we've talked about ways that you can uh, stand out in the state of Minnesota. So moving right along here, um, one of the things that I um, punched into the outline – today um, was about knowing what coaches are looking for. And I think that that's super important. Um, and we can go over some certain things that um, you think a, a coach would be looking for in a recruit. But b before we get to that, I mean, there's, there's sites that if you just Google, like how to get recruited in softball, there's, there's sites that say things that I just like, as a high schooler, I personally would not have done. Um, but I think this is where a lot of kids are going. Um, so a coach can't contact you, but as I understand it, you can contact the coach 
And there was one source I was reading where you could send letters of recommendation <laughs> for yourself, not to get into the school, but just to play softball. So it's like a letter of rec for a job, but <laughs> it's for a position on the softball team. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? My thoughts are coaches got a lot of stuff to do, and I don't know how many of them are going to take their time to read a <laughs> recommendation. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, and if that's the method now, that's the method. Um, it seems to me like um, it seems to me like that one's kind of like, eh. so just really be careful. I would encourage each family to really be careful about who you're following here and who's giving you advice. Um, because I, I think there's a lot of programs out there that will sell to you all of these recruiting tools and some of them just seem a little like not so necessary all the time. Right. So anyways, um, getting into the coaching side of thing, um, MCAR, let's pretend that you are the head coach of the Minnesota Gophers. Congratulations. Thank you. And um, I'm the best recruit in the United States of America. Let's just put it that way. And <laughs> I'm trying to get onto your roster. Um, and it is now September 1st um, to ensure that I have got myself at the top of your list. What are some A, Bs, and Cs of what you were looking for when you were recruiting me? Yeah, so I mean, I think it can take your que your question in one of two directions. I'm going to go the direction of what I'm looking for in a player. Um, I'll let you address any other part that you sure. might want. But yeah. I think what coaches are looking for, it obviously depends on their program. Um, but I think one main thing people are looking for is coachability. I think that's huge. Like, they don't want to player who's going to sit and, and make a throw a fit on the on the bench because I mean a lot of time when you are a and Kate hit on this last week when you are a freshman like you might not always be the starter the star player like you were in high school you know because you you get to the college level and, and that's the best of the best you know no matter what division you're at mm -hmm. um, so I'll say that I'll say uh, similar to that a good attitude like you know there's not much you can control in the game of softball um, Angie touched on it when we were talking about mental health. It's a game where batting safely three out of 10 times is successful. Like mm -hmm. that's, you fail seven out of 10 times. Um, so, you know, you can control your attitude and your effort. That's what my head coach always used to say. And I think that's so true. Um, so, and then I'm just going to pivot off of your question a little bit, but Go for it. as a recruit, I think, one really important thing, um, and this is something I want people to, if they're going to take one thing with them, I want them to take this. If you're going to take one thing with you, know that as a recruit, like, it's important to go where you fit. Like, do not feel pressure to go to a Division One school or a Division Two school or a certain Division Three school for any particular reason the important thing is to find a school that you will fit in well at and, you know, an environment that's right for you. Like there, we touched on yeah. this um, on a different episode, but um, you know, there's a lot of people out there who could probably do well playing division one softball or, you know, division two or D division three softball, or maybe go to a, a really awesome division three softball program, but they choose to play at, you know, a D3 program that doesn't have as much recognition, but they don't go there 
you know, because their skill isn't okay enough, they go there because that's a better fit. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when players find the most success and ultimately the most happiness, which is what your journey should really be all about. Yeah. That was I, long and no, no. pivoted off your question quite a bit. So <laughs> take no, us I, back. <laughs> I think that's important. Um, just segueing into, um, I, I don't know, like I guess as an educator, um, we want everyone to, to grow up and to start to make decisions for them for themselves. Um, but like how young is like too young for them to be making big decisions like that, which I think is why the NCAA has instituted so many rules like that. Yep. Um, because like you said, um, they may think it's a great fit for them when they're in ninth grade or 10th grade, but all of a sudden in 11th grade, they have a passion for something else or they, they know that they're going to be a better fit somewhere else. Um, so I think that's a really good point and something really important that you touched on. Um, so back to what coaches might be looking for in recruit. Um, this is kind of where I struggled with um, like getting so fired up about how athletes have to expose themselves yep. so, so young and so early because it's um, the human mind is just so subjective in general. So what one coach is looking for might not be what another coach is looking for. Right. Again, why I would um, tell families to really be careful about who you're listening to as far as getting recruiting advice and tools and tips. Um, Right. Because like, do you need to kind of work hard at it and put yourself out there a little bit? Yeah, you do. It's going to take a lot of work for you to get out there, which is awesome. Props to you if you do that. Um, But again, like there's certain things that I don't think um, necessarily fit to again the like subjectiveness of everything right yeah no I mean that's why I I said what I said when you asked me that question because you know having a good attitude and and giving an effort you know when a coach is watching you play like those are two very like widespread things you know they're not very specific because it is so subjective based on where you're going yeah so like the few keys exactly what you pointed out to like get yourself off the list like Bad yeah. sportsmanship, right, um, right. not being a good teammate, back-talking your coach, back-talking an umpire. Um, I, I would say, like, talking to the parents during the game or, like, some of your friends during the game. That's yep. a turnoff for me, subjectively. Yep, um, absolutely. Uh, I, I think that's a different direction. But anyways, right. um, like, there are certain universal things that would, would qualify for what a coach is looking for, I think, yep. what you said. Um, one of the things that always stuck with me, which is what um, Coach Click actually had taught me, taught me our Click 09, yep. is when she goes to recruit players, um, one of the things that really, really attracts her to certain recruits are um, kids who are just having fun. And that means like wild, like on the fence, like competitiveness, but can also be like focused at the same time. Right. Um, so I was always taught growing up, like, it's not necessarily, you don't have to be the loudest one on the field, but you certainly should not be the quietest. Yeah. Um, and you should really be um, team oriented. And like I said, you may go 0 for 3 when a coach is on the sidelines watching you, a college coach, but maybe he or, he or she, maybe they saw you like giving high fives to everyone during the game. Maybe they saw you being a super hype man to the pitcher. Um, 
maybe they saw you like busting your tail just to dive and, and miss, but you still dove um, like after a ball, just like little things like that. That would go a long way for me. Um, right. For yeah. I think those are all, again, like really easy things and really like blanket statements. And I think when you ask like what a coach is looking for, I think those are like, they may seem like, oh, duh, like kind of things, but I think that's the important thing to know. Yeah. Um, I think just one more thought on this topic, um, what coaches are looking for. I think you touched on it a little bit, um, but I want to say coaches want to see that you have an interest in them as well. You know, I think it's important. And we talk about it, like in a lot of scenarios, there's not a way for a coach to like know that you're out there necessarily, unless like you let them know first and you contact them. So it's, it's similar like in life, like nothing's going to be handed to you, you know, in, in most situations, nothing is going to be handed to you. You got to be the one to go out and put in the work and like make that first step of connection in a lot of scenarios. And I think that's similar to recruiting. You know, there's a lot of great coaches out there, but they're one person. They can't make it to go see every single recruit that they maybe would want to go see, you know, and a lot of times they don't know everything that's out there because there's just such a vast expanse of, of players. So 150%. And that's maybe where it's changed so much is kind of like in the old school softball days, maybe like the early two thousands. I don't know, but um, earlier before in the early two thousands, let's say um, before all the technology innovations and stuff and the pool was smaller of softball players college coaches had particular ways that they recruited players. Well, now, like if I was a division one college coach, I'm immediately overwhelmed by the number of softball players that are out there and the number of high quality elite softball players are out there. It's a good problem to have. Don't get me wrong. It's a great problem to have, but I would, I would agree with you in saying that you need to show some interest in the school and, um, because otherwise, like I said, if you're from small town somewhere, even if you're from a big town somewhere, um, it, it, there's just so much softball everywhere. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. So um, continuing on now, we're, we're kind of closing out our, our podcast segment here, we're trying right. to keep it a little bit shorter this week. Yeah. Um, let's turn now, Emily, to maybe um, – sort of the end of your recruiting process where it's time to make a decision. And we talked about making a good fit um, for yourself, but um, I think you brought up a really good point in the outline about kind of what to do, um, how to (laughs) gently put down a school that was really interested in you, but you are no longer interested in what they have to offer. Yeah. And I think, you know, you talk about what coaches are looking for. what coaches are looking for in a recruit is someone who's, if they are, are going somewhere else, they do not want somebody who's going to, you know, block them on social media and just like cut off all contact. You know, that's, that's just, that's just a bad sign of character, honestly, for a lot of coaches. Um, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to, you know, I've, I'll be getting my, my master's in education, you know, in, in sports management. I work with a lot of coaches and what they talk about is, just complete like disappointment and and you know if a if a a recruit 
just cuts off all contact with them and doesn't tell them that they're no longer interested, Mm -hmm. they're glad that that player isn't coming to their program because that shows, like I said, it's a sign of, they take it as a sign of bad character. Um, And I know kids might, might do that because, you know, they think it's awkward to say I'm not, I'm not coming, but yeah, one of the best things a recruit can do is to give that if a coach has been invested in you for so long and recruiting you for so long and you have a relationship, it's so important to pick up the phone and make that call to them and just say, Hey, like, I just, I got to tell you, you know, I've, I've been thinking long and hard about my decision, but my fit is, is elsewhere. And I, I really appreciate you you've taken all this time on me and I've really enjoyed my experience um, with you, but I think my fit is best elsewhere. And mm-hmm. 99% of the time a coach is going to understand and, and they're going to wish you well and, and best yeah. on your next journey. And they're going to appreciate that. And, and, you know, it's, it's, that's, it's just the right thing to do. And I know it's hard to call somebody and tell them no, mm-hmm. because it feels good to be wanted, you know, yeah. that's something that everybody wants, but, it's so important to not burn a bridge in that process because who knows, maybe, maybe two months down the road, you're at this place you thought was a good fit and mm-hmm. it's not, and mm-hmm. maybe you need to transfer. And now you burned a bridge because you know, you, you didn't even say, say thank you when, yeah. when that door came to a, a close or what appeared to be a close. Yeah. Um, that was Honestly, Emily, that was one of like the best segments I've ever heard you speak on because I think it's huge. It's so important. And um, so I I guess our advice is um, when you are in that process, take everyone seriously, even if it's like a school. um, For example, I had someone recruiting me contact me from Ohio, Northern Ohio or something like that. And even I was never going to go there because one, I already knew where I was going. but like, just take it seriously still because it's serious for them. They're not going to spend the time and money to send you some that costs money. Right. No, I know you don't think about that when you're a high schooler, but now that we're adults, Emily and I think right. of that stuff, you know, they, they spent time and, and it's really a props to you. If you're getting letters like that, um, even just small little pamphlets and stuff, right. um, spending their so, time, time, yeah. the biggest thing of all. Yeah. They're spending their time. Um, and that's a really cool problem to have. But uh, I, I think it goes a long way with your own character. Um, it's okay. It's okay to say no. It really is. Right. really is. Uh, because there's a fit for you somewhere. And it might not be in the, in the boonies somewhere of a college that is recruiting you. But um, there's a fit for you somewhere. And it's okay to say no to somebody else. Absolutely. I think that's a great, a great ending point. So... Honestly, we could talk more about recruiting and the rules, and um, I would love to answer legit questions that people have about recruiting um, because my recruiting process, Emily's recruiting process, everyone's recruiting process is so different, um, and I would love to hear from some of our viewers about where they're at and if they have any questions on it. Um, I think that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. So we are going to wrap up our segment here at the Safe at Home podcast. It is now time for our end of the game shout outs. Emily Carr, what is your shout out this week? My shout out this week goes to all the college sports information directors out there. 
I know um, there's a lot of of people, especially at you know, sh- from our experience, the smaller Division three schools, a lot of people who are one person doing the job of you know what really should be probably like five people. And right, you know, I was I was going through your, your all your records, Tony, and uh, I was thinking about Leah. Um, oh yeah, big shout out to Leah. Director at St. Ben's, and she's fantastic. And I was I was thinking of her and all the work she does on a daily basis, and all the sports information directors I'm fortunate enough to work with, and they all do a fantastic job. So, um, and you know, once you get recruited to a place and and you're at somewhere, get to know the sports information director because they are great people, and they, they do are. important. They do a lot of the stuff that you know draws people to school especially on social media so yeah that's that's my shout out for the week that was a great one especially um yeah leah wore like 10 hats at St. Ben's. so that's a great one really really awesome stuff um <laughs> you didn't think we were gonna make it to the podcast without talking about yesterday right oh god <laughs> <laughs> so my oh. shout out today <laughs> is to <laughs> All of the fisher, the fishermen out there. <laughs> because. Oh, God. We should have opened with this. Uh, we should have. Um, yeah. Emily and I decided to take a little adventure yesterday and go fishing. Um, but about an hour into it, we had no catches. <laughs> we had no, barely any you fish. Well, I caught a sunny. Yeah. There was a lot of weeds. Um, but then. I swear to you, a tsunami came in. The heavens opened. <laughs> the heavens and, opened. And rained down upon soon. We couldn't oh, my God. Across the lake, we couldn't even see the path that we had walked in on. It was craziness. Um, and then I were so soaked that we didn't even run to our car. Yeah. We just walked. We're, <laughs> like, under the trees. And I'm, like, tones, like, should we wait it out? Like, what do we do? And she's, like, I don't, like. I, th- I think it's just gonna get worse so yeah so we running and then i'm just like we're literally soaked to the bone like there's no point in running let's just walk <laughs> so my shout out is to the fishermen who want to just like chill out and have a good time catch some fish um and then whose maybe day gets a little bit ruined because of the weather and i will say that emily made it home safely and luckily she did because like an hour and a half later my house was under a tornado warning for like oh, it was quite raining. a long time. It was raining yeah. by me the rest of the night. So Yeah, I don't think any tornadoes touched down here, but so that's crazy. crazy. That's <laughs> yeah. a good one. That was a really good shout out. Oh, thanks, buddy. Thanks. Yeah. Oh uh, well, anyways, everyone, thanks for tuning into our podcast. We are now six episodes in to our first season at the Safe at Home team. Um, we really want to give a shout out to all of our listeners out there. It's been so much fun doing this podcast every week. We look forward to it. We want to hear from you guys. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Safe at Home Softball. Um, I know a lot of people are actually watching our podcast on YouTube, which is awesome. Um, if you're just sitting around the couch and you prefer to watch it, that's great. Otherwise, if you're starting to get back to work, hopefully um, you can find us on Apple. You can find us on Spotify Podcasts. Um, we're out there, so go and find us. All right, everyone. Thanks, M. Carr, for being with me again this week. I always got your back, buddy. Pleasure doing business with you. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Checks in the mail, buddy. Yep. Good deal. (laughs) Good deal. (laughs) All right, everybody. 
Always remember to run fast, keep a smile on your face, and you will be safe at home.